0: this is Lauren Crow from Lexier Dental Group. If you want to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy, you should be listening to Stories That Sell with my friend Scott Ramage.
1: You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal this show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy tune in each week as thought leaders entrepreneurs and authors share how they've built empires on the backs of their story you're listening to stories that sell with your host scott ramage Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on.
0: Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me.
1: Uh, so I'm just getting to know you. It's super exciting because uh, we were introduced by someone that I had on the podcast before, Allison Noe. I think yes. that's how you pronounce, pronounce it. And she's a good yeah. friend with you. And she said, you, I, you've you got to talk with Lauren. And um, what the listeners know, don't know yet is that you have an awesome story. So let's go uh-huh. ahead and rewind and um, you know kind of start where you started with me, which is which was really intriguing.
0: Yeah, so um, like I said, I'm Lauren Crow. I currently run a dental lab and I'll get more into the details of that as I go into my story, but my story really starts when I was 17 years old. I was a teen mom. I had dropped out of high school and gotten my GED and really didn't have a ton of direction of what I wanted to do or how I wanted to get there. I just knew like I was a young mom. I needed to figure out my way in life and so I lived in a really small town where most people became nurses or teachers. That's like kind of the growth path, your career path. That's like the only two things you do. And so I kind of was leaning towards one of those things just because it's what I knew. And um, a dentist had opened a new dental practice in our hometown. And she approached my mom and said, I think this might be a good opportunity for Lauren. I'm looking for a dental assistant. Do you think she'd be interested? And my mom came to me and I said, Oh no, I, that's not me. I can't work on people's teeth. I'm not comfortable with that. Don't like needles. Um, you know, all the things that you say when you don't want to take a job, you just find all the excuses not to do it. And my mom said, look, go to the interview. There's nothing, you know, you can't lose anything by going." And so I went to this interview and I didn't own a pair of scrubs, like not one pair. So I wore khakis to this interview. <laughs> and, um, but I was with patience. It wasn't just like a, verbal interview I was doing a working interview so I got to help with the patients and assist and see how x-rays were taken and things of that nature and they hired me that day and that's kind of the start of the story um because that was my start in dental I was 17 teen mom didn't know what I was doing with my life but I knew I was a dental assistant then and um so through the years I, I stayed in the dental offices um for probably six years up until 2014 I worked as dental assistant, I did um, office management, insurance coordination, I did everything from like general dentistry, to cosmetic dentistry to pediatrics. I'd done a little bit of it all. And we were making a move from Louisiana to Mississippi. And I was looking for a job, I'd already kind of decided I was going to go back to the lady that actually hired me the first time. And I was going to go work in her office. She was like, I don't have a position, but I love you and I'll find something for you until you can get on your feet back here. And I was scrolling through um, ads on Indeed and came across an ad for this lab, Blue Box. And I was, I felt like I was very underqualified. I'd always worked as a dental assistant, didn't have a degree, just had a GED. um, And I just was like, I I don't think I qualify. I saw like the salary and it was twice what I was making. I was like, that's amazing. But I I don't know that that's me, but I still hit apply. You know, I I said, what's, what's it going to hurt? You know, I'm just going to try it throw it out there. And they called me for an interview. And I drove to Mississippi to do the interview. And they also hired me that day. And um, I had about a month before I could move. My daughter was in kindergarten at the time. And so I started about a month later, and I was quality controlling product. And what a lot of people don't understand about the dental world is you have the dentist that pretty much everybody knows what that is, right? You get cleanings, crowns, um, a lot of people had braces, they had to wear retainers. Um, maybe your grandma has a denture. Well, somebody makes those products and that's made it a dental lab. That's what your dentist doesn't do. And so the dentist has to send that impression or that work out to have it made. And that's where places like Blue Box come into play. We make sure that we provide that product back to the dentist office. So in my new job at Blue Box, I was quality controlling those products. I was looking at dentures, looking at crowns things of that nature, making sure that they were up to clinical standard of what a doctor would be looking for and what a patient would find acceptable. And um, the lady that was training me, she was pregnant and six weeks into my training, okay, I came from dental, so I knew enough about the dental side of things. I knew teeth numbers and how to treat a patient, but I'd never worked in a lab before. And she walks out, takes, I walked in one day and she was holding her plants by the front door, like she was gone. She was like, I'm out of here. And I decided I was just going to wing it. I was going to figure it out. Um, My boss came in one day. He said, are you sure you can handle all this? This is a lot. You're talking to customers and you're having to, I was having to like enter cases in the system, trying to make sure that the instructions were correct from doctors. And I said, oh, I've got this. I'll figure it out. And we only had like five people at the time. I didn't have other people to train me. The lady that left was the only person that knew her job because it was such a small business at the time. And when I joined, we were one and a half million dollars, I think, somewhere between that and two million dollar lab. And um, so after about a year of me taking on more and more responsibilities, I was training people. I had started being the primary contact on the phone with the customers. Um, If somebody needed like rescuing, like a slow account, they would usually put me on the phone to try to encourage them to send more work, things of that nature. And at first, I was not good at it. I'm not going to lie. They had to retrain me to talk on the phone because an assistant, you're Telling patients what they need. And when you're in the business to business sales world, you have to convince people that they need your product.
1: Right. It's,
0: it's kind of a different standard. So I had a ton of learning I had to do. And I had to overcome a lot of fear that I had and a lot of um, stru- internal struggles. And I couldn't have any pride. You know, you kind of have to put all that to the side when you're dealing with a situation like this, because you have to say, like, what's right in this situation and how am I going to grow from it? And so um, like I said, after about a year, my boss came to me and said, Look, you're helping train people. You're helping our customer. You're making sure the building's open and closed every day without problems. You're helping us grow sales. You're helping our salespeople because so we had external salespeople. He said, You're basically a general manager. You're already managing this business and you're doing a little bit of everything. So we're going to give you that title and we're going to give you that pay and we're going to let you actually assume those roles and responsibilities. And at the time, I said, no, I'm not a manager. I don't yell enough. (laughs) I'm not mean. I don't like to tell people what to do. like, that's not me. And they said, no, you're a leader. Like you show people how to do it and you encourage them to do it. And that's the kind of business we want. And um, so I said, I will do it, but I do not guarantee I'm going to do it well. And I will do my best, but I, you know, whatever happens, happens. And so they gave me the grace to really, learn and grow and gave me a lot of books and resources and mentors to look up to and that was in 2015 and this year we will cross the 10 million dollar mark at our location here in Mississippi
1: wow so in a small yeah. town in Mississippi
0: yeah well we're outside of Jackson it's one of the bigger ones yeah. but <laughs> not in Mississippi's very big right but yeah
1: well I have a few questions I want to rewind a little bit you have so much yeah. more to talk about and yeah. um but I want to rewind 17 teen mom, 17 years old and a teen mom. And you know, you didn't finish high school. You got your GED, but who just walks into a, 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 basically a working interview. Who does that? Especially at 17. Did you have fear?
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: What was your driving force?
0: I don't know. I'm just like a really driven person. I think the main thing is, you know, you have to kind of, Take fear and let it motivate you a little bit. You've got to say, I'm scared of this, but how can I overcome that? How can I get better? And so a lot of times, if I think that something is too big or too scary, I want to see the other side of what that looks like. I want to see the success of it. So whatever that takes to like, put your head down and get through that fear to kind of get to the other side and see what's on the other side.
1: Did you always operate that way? I mean, even before you were 17?
0: Um. I've always been very driven. I, my parents always, you know, wanted me to have a job. I started working in a snow cone stand when I was like 13. I couldn't drive. Um, I wasn't even legally able to, to work, but I wanted to. I wanted my own money. So my grandparents would drive me to the snow cone stand. So I've always had drive. But I think overcoming fear, I mean, I was 17 in and in a, in a teen mom, you know, like I'd already overcome one of the biggest fears most people have in their entire lives, you know, having a child, you know, how, what's that going to look like for my life? How is that going to alter it? So for me, I'm like, okay, I've experienced something really major. Now, how am I going to improve the life for myself and for my child now? And so kind of you, once you're a parent, you kind of push a lot of that fear out of the way and say, what do I need to do to make this happen? And that's what exactly what I did.
1: So you attribute a lot of that is the the fact that you are responsible for a young life. There's a lot of people... Uh, you know, a lot of people sit in fear and never, never move. They're more comfortable in their fear than they are in the unknown. And that doesn't sound like it's been the case for you.
0: No, not, not in like in my adult life. No, I, um, there, I do have fear, but I really try to let that motivate me into the next step, whatever that is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you've, you, you stepped into blue box, uh, how long did it take you to decide from seeing that posting and it was double your salary and you you said I was underqualified, I was not qualified for this job. That's another thing that really kind of stands out to me, the fact that you went and, and applied anyway. Um, was it an immediate decision for you? Yes. Is, is that typically how you operate? Do you, do you like just, it's quick? like. Move, um, move,
0: move? If I feel, I take my gut instinct, usually I feel like I, I usually make, Pretty rational decisions in general. I'm an overthinker, so if I spend too much time on it, I'm going to think about every good or bad possibility, and then then the fear really starts to take over. Like, what if the really good happens and I'm not able to deal with it, or what if the really bad happens and so I'm not able to deal with it? And so, in the moment, if I feel like it's the right thing to do, I'm going to do it, and I'm just going to say, you know what, forget it. And what's the worst that can happen? And that's usually in the first ten seconds. If the worst is not that bad. You know, the worst in that moment was they're not going to call me, right? That's, that's the worst. Um, but the best thing that can happen is I get the job and I double my salary and I, I did, I did that.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. So, uh, and I, I, it's really interesting that you're an overthinker because, but it sounds like you found a really good way of navigating that and operating at a high level when to, to not get caught. In right.
0: Because it's easy to let your anxieties and your stressors bring you down. And I know that about myself, I, I knew that in my teenage years, I was an overthinker. And so I had to learn really early on, how do you overcome that? And without making a rash decision, you give yourself some kind of amount of time and say, okay, I'm going to make a decision this amount of time and then cut yourself off because I'd changed my mind 30 times if I allowed myself to do that.
1: Right. Right. So you're running, you're still running the same lab today.
0: I am. I um, actually, as of this week, I am running this lab and I'm director of sales for two labs, actually. So I have 12 salespeople reporting to me, two customer service teams, two client technical teams, and then all of the operations people at this location.
1: I've been in those shoes before. I've ran operations and been in charge of the sales and and, um, service team. That is not an easy role.
0: (laughs) It's not. It's already... (laughs) It's already got its challenges, but I love sales. I didn't think that I would. Um, I enjoy motivating and supporting salespeople. I like to see their wins. So for me, this is the perfect role. I, I really enjoy that aspect.
1: Yeah, you, were, you, you, you said you weren't a natural salesperson. So what, what would be some of the things that you attribute to a really great salesperson?
0: Um, well salespeople obviously have to be a little aggressive. They've got to know like when to keep pushing and when to shut it down. And they've got to be able to take rejection well. And I'm very, very unconfrontational. Like I cry when I have to fire people, no matter how good or bad of a person they are. As soon as they leave, I'm in here crying because I don't, I don't like confrontation. And sometimes in sales you have to deal with a little bit of that. You've got to know, you know, when to keep pushing. And I'm not like a natural born salesperson because I don't have that like aggressive personality. But what I think that I lack in that, the reason I do well in sales is I have a heart for service. I like to see people find solutions to their problems, whatever that might be, even if it's not something that my product supports. Say that we walk into an office and they say I'm having a hard time getting patients. I like to have a network of people in my industry that I can say, hey, I know this guy and he can help you get patients. Or I know this person and they can help you get marketing or whatever it may be. I I like to be able to find solutions for people. And that's usually the loyalty aspect of that is what helps me grow sales if it's me doing it. I create trust.
1: Okay. So, so today, yeah. And that's really important sales is creating trust. It's it's a big deal.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Very big. Uh,
1: You, so you're, you said from about a million and a half to 10 million in business at this one location. Yeah. Um, What, why, how? I mean, any, anybody who owns a business listening is, okay, what's the secret sauce? What do you do? How do you do it? And you know, some of us have done it, but definitely want to hear what you feel has attributed to that growth in yeah. what, seven years, six years, something like that.
0: 2015 to 2021. So yeah, we, every year grew. Um, I don't think we had less than 22% growth year over year, the whole time I was here. I, I'm trying to remember if there was ever a lower year, but I know it was double digits and I know it was over 20. Um, A couple of years, it was in the thirties, but um, there really isn't a secret sauce. Um, You're going to, my poor boss, when he listens to this, he's going to hear a lot of his words. He's my favorite mentor ever. Um, I always try to give him kudos when I can, but a lot of these practices are things I learned from him. And one is culture. You hear it preached all the time. Like everywhere you turn, every TED talk, every book you open is going to preach about culture and But it's more than just saying like create a good culture. It's more than like luncheons or recognizing people's birthdays. You have to hire for it. Like the type of person you bring into your business has to have the same heart of service that you want your business to have. And so when we hire, if we have one stipulation and it's, can they be extraordinary? Not can they do the job or can they be average or can they fit the job description or whether qualifications? It's can they grow? We're a growing company. We need people that will also grow and not want to stay in the same place. And so if we, if the answer is no, if to, can they be extraordinary? We typically don't hire them. And it's not to say they're not great candidates or good people, but they're not right for our business. And we had to turn away a lot of like really nice or good people that might've been qualified, but they didn't want more with their life. And when you're growing a business, you need people that also want to grow and not just show up for a job every day.
1: Yeah, so you hire for culture. Do you know where, like, I, you, you attributed this to your boss? Do you know where this came from? Does he follow anybody or read books or? Tom listen? Peters. Okay. okay. Tom Peters is
0: a big one for him. Um, I, I like Tom Peters, but I follow Cheryl Sandberg from Facebook. She's one of my favorites. Um, just in her, like, you got to show up for yourself kind of thing. Um, I think that if you apply that principle to everybody else in your life as well, that if they're showing up for themselves, they deserve the opportunity. So I follow a lot of her teachings and I read the Tom Peters books that Andy's provided to me. Um, Something else that I, I feel like I need to add to this when it comes to culture and hiring is, we always have this saying here that you have internal customers and external customers. And your external customers are obviously your clients or your prospects, right? But your internal customers are your employees. And for us, we have salespeople that are like disciples out there every day selling our brand and they're located all over the United States. They'd never come into our office. We honestly don't really see customers here. I mean, you see I'm dressed in like a t-shirt. We don't see customers here. So they are out selling our brand every day and we have to keep them motivated and wanting to buy into our brand. Every day they wake up, they have to make that decision. I'm going to sell for Blue Box today. Today I'm going to go sell a crown, and it's going to benefit my life and it's going to benefit the people at Blue Box's life and it's going to benefit the patient's life. So we have to keep them motivated because they are also a customer. It's not all about the, the customer that pays the bill, it's the customers that show up and help you pay the bills every day.
1: Yeah. Is that hard to keep kind of in your head that all of the, all the employees of this business are customers? Very much so. What is the biggest struggle with that?
0: Well, when you're managing people, you're managing personalities and you've got to, some days I come in and I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm like, leave me alone. I'm in the zone. Let me get my work done. But as a manager, I can't do that. I still have to like lead and influence these people and motivate them. And so it starts with habits. You hear about this a lot in like fitness. You know, you start, you do one thing a day and you continue to do it and then it becomes a habit. One habit that I have is I wake up every morning, I I go to the gym early. So as soon as I get out, I I look for a post, you know, some kind of like motivational quote or a meme, something that I feel like motivates me. And I share it with my internal team and my sales team. And it's just a nice like early morning, 6.30 a.m., I'm thinking about you guys. We're gonna kick butt today. Here's something to get you motivated before your drive-in.
1: You just hit on a topic I love to talk about, and that's kind of like habit stacking or or doing something until it's like just an absolute yeah. has to happen every day. First of all, you just told me what you just answered one of the questions that I ask, and that is what is something that you do every single day. It sounds like you go work out.
0: Yeah.
1: Are you still doing CrossFit?
0: Yep, 5 a.m.
1: <laughs> How long have you been doing that?
0: Um, about two and a half years.
1: Okay, it's pretty addicting.
0: Yeah, I don't know what I did before. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what are some other habits that you do? I mean, I, I want to get back to this thing, but I'm, I'm just curious, what are some other habits that are like really impactful for you?
0: Um, I drink a ton of water. I'm like, I know that's a weird thing. People think it's just something you do, but no, I, have, I was never a water drinker growing up. My parents did not make me drink water. So as an adult, I committed to like, okay, today I'm going to drink two bottles a day. And then I increased it to four. And so I tried to do 75 hard a few months ago. <laughs> it didn't last long. I ended up with a migraine, so I couldn't finish. But um, so the gallon of water was not a problem to me because I drink about a gallon of water a day anyway. It's just something that I I, I keep a case of water in my office with me on the floor so I can just grab a bottle if I need to um, without thinking too much about it. Um, that's one thing. Um, man, what are other habits? They're habits, so I don't think about
1: them. I know, right? Well, that's really the whole point. I, I, did, a, I did 75 hard straight for 151 days. Oh my and the thing was, was, most of it was already something I'd done this habit stacking. I'd like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I was yeah. pretty much at that place. It was just the tracking the food, how I decided yeah. to do it was, was the part that uh, was new. But yeah. uh, you, you talked about like this motivational thing you do for your, for your team every, Yeah. you do that every day?
0: Yeah, so this week, actually, I was in Tampa on Tuesday and at our other location in Florida that I run sales at, and I traveled all Monday night. My kids started school, so I was very much like, I'm not going to leave them for more than a day. So I did that, like, crazy parent thing where you travel all night one night, and then you travel all night the next night so you don't miss anything. So I'd done that. So I made it into Tampa at, like, 1 or 2 a.m. Monday night or Tuesday, worked all day Tuesday, then, you know, did the same thing Tuesday night. Well, of course, Monday morning I don't send the motivational post. Of my 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 time zone's off. I'm out of. I'm just like totally out of whack. And it's so now it's such a habit. One of the girls in the group message said, "Lauren doesn't have a motivational message today, but I do. I'm picking up raising canes. So who wants any?" So like they know to expect it now. And when they don't get it, they they're like, "What's going on? Where's Lauren? Is she sick?" Because I I do it every day pretty habitually. And if I forget it's few and far between. I do forget sometimes, but it's, it's not often,
1: man. I, I think right there is just an absolute golden nugget for anybody who leads teams because you know, especially if when you're miss one, they, someone swoops in and does it without you even asking. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. What else would you say is uh, something that like a, like a standard or, or something that you do or have learned that really helps with your team? <laughs> hey, before we get started, Imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. The Ace for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time check out our website at www.dasforgyms.com that's v a s f o r gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more
0: um no uh, we have a what we call the bible i'm sorry if anybody takes offense to that but our bible at work is a planner of some sort and i was notorious for having three notebooks for a long time and I, I got a therapy, I think that that's good for people, you know, especially if you deal with anxiety or a lot of pressure at work. And so I went to my therapist and he was asking about my notebooks. He said, how do you keep up with everything? You've got to stay busy. You have a planner. I said, oh yeah, I have three. And he said, you have three notebooks. I said, yeah, I tote them around all the time. I have a, an actual planner, a notebook for notes and ideas that come to my mind. And then I have a scratch pad so I can keep everything pretty clean. And he said, oh no, no, I'm going to change your life. He gave me a planner and he I'm using Franklin Covey now, it's taken me a minute to learn it, but I carry around a Franklin Covey planner with me everywhere I go. And I, I require everybody that starts working here at my office, everybody has to have some form of a planner. And that way they if they promise a customer something, or they need to make sure something's done that they can flip to that day and go ahead and write it down. Because um, my boss actually has another saying and it's chew their food and meaning make it as simple as possible where you don't have to think. And if you make a commitment to somebody, whether it be a customer or another employee or yourself, you should go and write it down when you made that commitment so there's no way you forget it. So every day they come in and they have a notebook, they open it to that day, they see what needs to be done. And as the requests come in through the day, they can also continue to jot it down and make notes on what was said or things they should remember so they can flip back to it at any point in time.
1: Right. I refer to that as having a personal operating system. Yeah. You have have this thing you always do. So I have, I have a a digital version of that and I go and add things today, a certain day, it'll pop up and uh, ideas go one place. And, and, um, what's beautiful is when I've helped other, um, people implement it and then implement it inside of their business. And it's a game changer. So that's basically what you're doing is you're, you have this personal operating system and now you have all of your team doing it. And the beauty about that, and I love that you said this is that now when you tell somebody to do something, your mind isn't worried about it because you've taught them a system to do it. I think it's a really good, a really good tip for teams.
0: Thanks.
1: Yeah. That's, that's like next level. That's next level (laughs) managing
0: crazy because i don't feel like it's next level it's just have it for me and it's things that work for me so i try to pass it along and we just make requirements and say this is this works and we're going to do it if you have suggestions we can try it we're not very rigid in our policies and procedures here we like people to try things and if it's if it works we're like great we all win and if it fails they're not punished we say okay walk it back figure out why it didn't succeed and let's retry it again with the new and improved process Mm -hmm. really try to leave like an open forum where people, we can try things and, you know, trial and error. That's the only way we can continue to grow.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I, I personally can see why a business like this would grow, like where you'd have that type of growth. Um, what other things are you, are you, you think really attribute to that, that growth that 22% or more per year?
0: It's actually having the heart for service, taking care of the customer. We like to have like a white glove service and you can apply this to any industry. If somebody calls and says, ask you a question, the answer should always be yes. And then figure out how to do it. Right. We, you find a source. It may not be within your business, but you can always give them a resource to make sure that they get what they need. And so we very rarely say no, unless it's something extreme. The answer is always yes. The customer is always right. The customer is always getting yes. And then we figure out everything else on the back end.
1: So when you let me ask you a challenging question you said your your team are also your customers is it the same policy for your team? Yeah. Hmm. Which is,
0: can be pretty tough.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really good. We have a sales team and we say like if you if we can't solve the customers or the prospects problem or their their needs mm-hmm. give them something that can. So it's, yes. it's, it's, it kind of sounds like the same thing. I think that's yeah. a really big, Yeah, we did
0: the same exact thing today. I had a call with my new team, the team out of Tampa. And um, they they had I was like, what can I do to help you? Is there anything immediate? These are the things in the next three months we're going to do. But what can I do right now to help you? And um, they had questions like, what can we give away for free? And "And who do we send expense reports to? And I'm like, guys, I just want you to sell. Like, I, I don't care about any of those little details. We can figure all that out. Send it to who you normally send it to. Just go and sell, and give give the customer whatever they need, and we'll figure it out. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna put red tape around everything and close off and make boundaries that don't need to exist. We need to say yes and figure it out.
1: Yeah, that's that's really great. Uh, you you know your story as a teen mom and moving into going directly into a career that you knew nothing about and just boldly stepping in. Does that has that story? Has that background and that experience really shaped who you are as a leader now? Did, did that impact what, what's happening now? And, and
0: if so, how? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because I think that a lot of like growing I had to do during that time of learning how to do be a dental assistant, you know, learning dentistry, learning teeth numbers, all these different things. I had to really push myself and get through some things that I didn't really feel comfortable with. And so when I became a manager, I knew that I had already done some of those things. so I said, okay, what do I need to do to, to learn to be a manager? Well, I probably should read some books. I probably should find some mentors. I listen to a lot of TED Talks. I ask a ton of questions. I always ask to sit in meetings. You know, uh, I want to I be involved so I can learn, not so I can be nosy or be involved in the business. I want to know what's going on so that if it ever comes down to me, I, kn- I know what to expect. And, you know, a lot of that I think came from whenever I was a teen mom, you know, I had to ask for things. I had to demand to be part of conversations because I was, you know, this young kid, I was like discounted for conversations and she's too young. She doesn't know, or she's not qualified. And when I became GM here, I was 24. And, you know, so at first in this business, people looked at me like, there's no way she's a real manager. There's no way she's 24 years old. She's a young woman, you know, I hate to bring that even up, but She's a young woman. She has no idea. She's not from this industry. And in this industry, most people um, have family owned businesses. And so they've been in it forever and ever. And I was a new face, new name, young woman. And I had to really push to make a name for myself. And now when I go to conferences, people know who I am because I've asked questions. I introduce myself to every person at a conference. If they have a booth, I'm walking up, giving a business card, and handing them a bag of candy. Like, hey, I'm Lauren. I, this is what I do. This is what my company is. How can we partner together? And we've had lots of great partnerships and, and networking events now because of those kinds of things. And it's just stepping out of things that we're fearful of and being scared of the judgment or labels people put on, put on us and the labels we put on ourselves, taking those off and saying, how am I going to grow? Like, what do I need to do to make this work?
1: You mentioned a few sources um, already, but really, where do you get your motivation? Or if you're just kind of not feeling something, is there something you plug into or listen to or watch that really kind of gets you going back in the right direction?
0: I love music. Mm -hmm. So um, it doesn't have to be necessarily motivational, but it kind of gets me out of my headspace. Usually when I'm not feeling like myself, I'm dealing with anxiety or stressors or that fear we were talking about. And so a lot of times if I can listen to some kind of music that can kind of reset my brain and say, all right, everything's good. We're listening to this music right now. It's something you enjoy and something you like. And I focus in on that for, you know, 15, 20 minutes on my drive in, or if I need to go sit in my car for a little while and just listen to something and disconnect, that kind of helps me refocus my energy and get it back going again and say, okay, I can go do this. Like whatever it is, I've erased it all from my mind. We're going to have a new mindset and we're going to go forward and figure it out.
1: That's great. So- Music is motivation or a reset, just really kind of reset your brain. You mentioned Ted Talks, you mentioned reading books. Um, what's your go-to now? If you if you want to learn or, you know, outside of music, what's your go-to? Is it podcasts, books, audiobooks, YouTube? A combination. Is it?
0: Yeah, so uh, Andy gave me this book, Andy's my boss. I'm sorry, I never told his name, but he gave me this book, it's a Tom Peters book, and the name is gonna come back to me at some point, but it's like this thick. Wow it's totally nonfiction and you never want to just sit and read the whole thing but sometimes if i'm feeling like i'm in a slump and i feel like i don't know which direction to go i pull it out and i just go to the index and see if i can figure out something that would help me or if i'm like i just need some motivation i need something to read that's going to like refuel my mind i go and just randomly open it up and read a chapter um I, i do like podcasts and ted talks it takes me a minute to find one that I'm really into because I'm a, like a visual, I like to read. Um, I, don't, I don't watch a lot of TV. I listen to music, but listening to words can some, if I'm not like really focused in and honed in, especially after a long day of work or something, it might be harder for me to retain. But um, if somebody recommends something, I can listen to it. If it's really good, I'm into it and I get so much out of it. So it just depends on what it is and what my mood is and the situation, but it's a combination of all of the above
1: let's dive into a little back into sales so hey. what is your your go-to source for learning or really honing yourself yourself on sales
0: um to be honest I don't have like a, a source that I go to I have I have Andy who's amazing salesperson his wife Mel is a great salesperson I'm surrounded by great salespeople mentors in my industry hmm. and and if I have a lot of questions, I typically go to them. I, I really think that having mentors that are within your industry, if you're trying to grow your business or grow your career, we're not competitors. So you can even find somebody that would be considered your competitor. They're, us- if they're, they're usually willing to share some of their successes, right? We, there's yeah. things that we can learn and feed and off of each other. And they probably would love to hear some of your things too. So for me, it's all about that mentorship to get actual dialogue going, because I could open up a book and read something, but it may not 100 percent pertain to the situation that I'm in. So if I feel like I need, you know, uh, to, to know how to handle a situation when it comes to a client or how to, you know, convert a prospect, I'll go to one of my mentors and say, hey, this is the situation and this is what they're telling me how do I overcome it? Or what do you think would work here? Is it, is it a free case? Is it a uh, taking them lunch? Should I give them my cell phone number? Should I go back in, should I send a rep? You know, then we start kind of breaking down all the dynamics of the relationship because we have a say, another saying here too that find the reason they're saying no. And usually they have, they're fearful of something. And the, if you can get down to why they're saying no then you can solve their problem. And so that's what we always try to do is we try to figure out the reasons they would say no and then kind of walk it back and say, okay, if we know that this is the reason, how do we get away from that?
1: Yeah, so that's overcoming the objections from- Exactly. Yeah, that's cool. You've brought up throughout this whole conversation, people, talked about people, mentors, your boss, um, coworkers. How important have other people been in your success in your field?
0: They're a hundred percent the reason that I'm here. Like every little bit of it, I I didn't do it on my own. I, I I took opportunities. I mean, I worked hard and I read books and I put in my time. But without the opportunities of other people and their influence and their support, even of people that aren't in my industry, my friends, my CrossFit family, my you know blood family, my kids, without any of their support, I wouldn't be where I'm at today.
1: Yeah. How do you cultivate that? I think a lot of people like know that they just don't know how to cultivate it.
0: Um, I would love to just say that that's I know all these answers, but I uh later in life, after I came to Blue Box, I ended up going back to school and I got my degree in communications and business technology. A lot of it I learned in my communications classes, and there's so much of that you can learn online of like how to get into the psyche of people and really absorb a lot of that. So I would love to have like this really great, you know. Nice answer, magical answer. But a lot of it I learned. I, I um, growing up, my, my dad and my stepdad were both salespeople. And my dad is just like me, very outgoing. He talked to the wall. He's like the person at the restaurant that embarrasses us because he makes friends with the waitress, you know, yep. Yep. And like, please stop talking. Um, but he's great at what he does because he makes friends everywhere he goes. My stepdad on the other hand is more of an introvert. He's friendly and and likes to talk to people but he is a natural born art servant like that is he wants to help people that is exactly what he wants to do. And so watching them throughout my life I kind of created my own style where I, I want to be accepted by people. I'm a people pleaser by nature. And so I want people to like me and I'm kind of like my dad where I can make friends with anybody. But I really saw my stepdad doing these things to make people happy. It was more than just like his gratification. It was like, how can I help these people find solutions? And so watching them over the years and then communications classes and having great mentors, I can't really say that I cultivated it on my own. It's just watching and observing and just kind of knowing the type of person you want to be when you grow up and making it happen.
1: Yeah, that's that's good. Okay. I have one, one last question. Okay. Uh, if you could go back in time and share one piece of advice to yourself, what would it be?
0: Oh my gosh. I'd probably say just do it You know, whatever it is, just do it. Don't think too much about it. You end up hurting your brain. Cause you're going to do it anyway. <laughs> so if, I just go with my gut feeling.
1: Yeah. It seems to be has really served you well.
0: Yeah. If I think about everything too much, I'll change my mind too many times. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, Lauren, it's been an absolute pleasure. I really like your personality. There's a reason you've been successful. It's really exciting to hear, especially like things could have gone completely different with the uphill battle starting at age 17. So thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.